0: Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Chris DeGinney at Internet Radio. Today is Friday, October 21st, 2016. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. Tonight we have Clifton Emmeheiser here, or tonight we are here with Clifton Emmeheiser, here at his home in Fostoria, Ohio. And tonight... I told Clifton that we're just going to relax and have a discussion about his life in in particular for his Watchman's Teaching Letters. From March of 2015, Clifton produced 12 months of autobiography, ending with Watchman's Teaching Letter number 214, his 214th monthly teaching letter. In February of 2016, I guess when you've been doing this for so long and you're in touch with so many people who read your work, that you like to show people where you've been so that they could understand where you're coming from. Clifton wrote for eight of those Watchman's teaching letters describing his early life. And for the last four... On his marriage and church life experiences which didn't really start until he was close to marriage then he concluded the last four parts of his series by stating his original intention and Clifton said originally I plan to present the background of my own church affiliation then the background of my wife's church affiliation and lastly the church affiliation that Tilly and I had together as husband and wife in order to make it more complete. I ended up with four presentations to cover all that I wanted to cover. This is far from being a complete autobiography of my wife, Tilly, and myself concerning each of our lifetimes of church affiliation. But Clifton really didn't get very much into the part of his life that a lot of people would like to hear which is how he came to Christian identity. Clifton did describe at length his various experiences with denominational churches and how he finally found himself shut out from practically all of them for various reasons not related to Christian identity, but his entire transformation was summarized in four all-too-short paragraphs. In the last segment of his series, Clifton gave only a brief outline of his coming to identity. Being a barber, one fateful haircut was given to a certain Catholic priest. The irony does not escape us. With that, Clifton had been describing his interest in the line of Esau and a chart he had made. But admittedly, he did not know where it led to or what it meant. Explaining all of this, he wrote the following, and I'm going to quote from Watchman's teaching letter 214, and he said, I am not including the chart with this updated article. I made this chart in the late 1970s, and at the time, I had no idea of what Israel identity was all about. I can't even give you a good reason why I made the chart in the first place. He was just driven to make it. All I know, he says, is that this chart was going to have a very dramatic effect upon me from that time until now, meaning in February of 2016. All I know is, I'm sorry, in the late 1970s, I knew there was something wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I had made a very serious study into the Eastern religions, along with witchcraft, thinking that that might be where the problem was. And and they're all the rabbit holes that were offered out in society when we're looking for the truth. And Clifton says, well, this was part of the problem. But later I would find how it fits into the scheme of things. Then a Catholic priest, a customer at my place of business, introduced me to the story of the Illuminati and a character by the name of John Todd. And I thought I had found the answer. How did a priest tell you about the Illuminati? You want to talk about that, Clifton?
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, he lived in a nunnery out uh, in New Regal, Ohio, and they stopped using it as a nunnery. And um, he lived there alone, and um, he was quite a friendly person t- uh, to me. <sighs> and uh from time to time when he come in the shop <clears throat> because he seemed to understand what was going on in the world uh better than most people i i talked to him on various subjects and so on and um he asked me if i've uh, ever heard of the illuminati and i said yes i've heard of it but i can't find anything on it and he said, uh, "Well, tomorrow I'm going to send off into Indiana, and and get twelve pamphlets uh, on the subject." And um, uh, uh, w- well, almost before he was uh, through speaking, I said, "Would you would you uh, uh, stop around, and, and and so I could buy one of those from you?" And and sure enough, uh, about two or three year, uh, days later. There he came with uh, um, uh, this, this this sort of an, a, a bridged brief history of the Illuminati. Uh, it was still about twenty pages, and and I read that thing over and over and over and over again. I just I, that was my first introduction in um, uh, understanding what, what's going on in this world. And um, now uh, John T- Todd uh, turned out to be a pretty good link uh, for me um, because uh, I, I I ended up with about 45 tapes of John Todd and about 30 of them I got from this Catholic priest and uh in those tapes, uh, he he's, he spoke of a book, "The Fourth Right of the Rich" by Dee's Griffin. And um, but I, I did you know I couldn't find any place where I could buy that book or anything like it really uh, until uh, another one of my customers come in and uh, he knew that. Uh, I was st- studying along certain lines, and um, there was a guy by the name of, um, well, he lived in Florida, uh, and, and he um, was going to round churches and telling the evils of, of joining the Masons and other lodges. Um, can't think of his name right offhand. But but he uh, he lived down there in uh, where Bill lives now in the um, peninsula area of Florida. Jim Shaw was his name, and um, uh, this customer gave me um, a, a case of tape. There was two cassette tapes, and and it was sort of like a book form. You open up, and there was two uh, two cassettes on each side. There was four altogether. And, and the various subjects that uh, uh Jim Shaw was addressing about the various lodges and, and quite a bit on the Masonic lodges which is which was one of the subjects I was interested in at the time but there was another paper that was that uh, Jim Shaw had put in there, and this customer uh, hadn't taken it out and um I read on it, and here was about uh, five or six books that I could buy uh, from Jim Shaw. Well, lo and behold, uh, listed on, on, on I, I forget how many books there was there altogether. It was just a small piece of paper. But listed on there was The Fourth Ride the Rich by Dees Griffin. So I sent right away uh, to Jim Shaw to get that book. And boy, it didn't seem like it was, uh, uh, he must, uh, they must have flew it down or something because it got there quickly. And, and the book back uh, came, came in almost uh, a couple days afterwards. And, uh, but anyway, I got into the book and um, I found in the end of the book, I've, I found around 200 other books that this uh, were uh, Jim Shaw had got these books from California. I, I believe San um, Bernardino, uh, it was a um, guy that uh, handled uh, uh, what you'd call um, undercover books or uh, books you can't get uh from bookstores and so on underground books and uh, here was here was a couple other uh, you know uh, a couple pages of, of around 200 books that that I could buy and so I started buying uh, six and eight books at a time as I could afford them and and, and after a while I had a pretty good library from there and Later on, I run into the um, uh, in Louisiana the Sons of Liberty and they had a book section. Now, they had more underground books than anybody I ever uh, came in contact with. Um, If I'd have had two or three or maybe even $4,000, I could have made a pretty good investment and and I would have liked to Gotten all the books they had to tell you the truth, uh, but it, it was a matter. I just picked out the uh, ones that had titles that I thought I'd be interested in. So, so I uh, between uh, this place in uh, California and uh, Sons of Liberty in Louisiana, I I was get, I was getting a lot of material on the um, conspiracy. I hadn't I hadn't learned identity yet. Um I had gotten uh, some uh, brochures uh from Eldon Shemery in uh Arizona on um on on the bankers uh, uh um I was trying to think of the title of that uh uh one pamphlet that i I bought a lot of them passing them around uh billions for the uh billions for the bankers and debt for the people was the name of it. And I pass that around to a lot of people, uh, but uh, I saw that he had some other stuff I wasn't interested in. I uh, I didn't think that that other stuff was right, uh, but I had a lesson to learn on that be, uh, because most of the stuff was right. So, I, so I,
0: I, what did you say? I was just going to say so you're, you're you're researching into the Illuminati and and related topics and the Masons. And just because somebody left a piece of paper in a book that they gave you, you found Sheldon Emery. Yeah. Basically, so yeah. it was an accident. Yeah. It was an accident. You found Sheldon Emery. That that's the first. Well, Jim
1: Shaw was the first one I found. There and...
0: Right, but was Jim, Jim Shaw wasn't Christian Identity? No, no, he,
1: he, so uh, he, he was. So
0: what I'm saying is, by accident, you came across your first yes, Christian right. Identity teacher because Emery was, even though he wasn't what we consider traditional to seed line, he was christian identity
1: yes and uh as far as um following john todd uh, uh he got into witchcraft and he said that uh most of the, uh, witchcraft uh, most of the churches have covens and all you know you you wouldn't be uh, I, I suppose what he was telling is true but but he wasn't particularly an identity person,
0: and it was a Catholic priest that turned you on to John Todd.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is kind of strange. <laughs> I think that's kind of ironic. But, yeah. But but I just wanted to stress the point that you found Sheldon Emery by accident, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Now, now you said that after you discovered Sheldon Emery, did did you pursue Emery's work anymore? Except for the, the, because Billions for the Bankers and Debt for the People, even though Emory was an identity pastor, that's not an identity tract. It's a financial conspiracy tract.
1: Well, really, I didn't um, get much on Sheldon Emory, other than getting those few brochures uh, about banking from him. Um, (coughs) But... um, I'm trying to think here now. You, you said
0: another customer brought you in a book by Herbert Armstrong.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, another customer brought brought in another uh, book by Her- Herbert Armstrong. Uh, I believe it's uh, uh, America and Britain and Prophecy. Right. And uh, Did he know that you
0: read the Emery book? How's that? Did he know that you read the Sheldon Emery book?
1: Who? Uh, the,
0: the other customer that brought you in the Armstrong. No, okay. No.
1: Um, no, these were separate instances of what was happening to me.
0: So so you were being hit by different people that were unrelated.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it happened. Uh, uh, but anyway, when I read Armstrong's book, now I didn't trust Armstrong when I first started to read the book, and I didn't trust him afterwards. But I couldn't rebuke the scriptures that were quoted in it. But if you're German, you can't trust Armstrong. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't trust Armstrong. Uh, uh, and, and I wouldn't recommend him today because, you know, he come on the air and he claimed the Germans were Assyrians.
0: Right. That's what I mean. If you're yeah. German, you can't trust Armstrong. Yeah. And, and some of his, the churches spawned by the Worldwide Church of God still teach that.
1: So I was in a position where here I, I read this and I believed it. I, I believed it, you know, that we were Israel. My, my very first thought was, so this is what all this forced busing school is all about. That was the very first thing that came to my mind. And I thought, well, we're the ones that are Israelite, not, not the people that call themselves Jews. And, and, and that was, I mean, I haven't changed from that position since.
0: How did you link that to the forced busing? How's that? How did you link that to the forced busing?
1: I don't know. I, I, I just realized that that the Jews were uh, in this uh, thing of, of forcing us, uh, forced busing on us.
0: So that was in the early 1970s, because that's when the forced busing... I, I remember the riots in Boston, yeah. hearing about that on the radio.
1: Well, uh, yeah it was, it was in in the seventies when i was learning which it started uh, um i started learning by get first getting in this witchcraft thing uh learning a lot of it from the charismatics which i rejected uh, uh but, but 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 witchcraft is is it's is found in the bible and, and and there is such a thing and uh but that's only a spoke in the wheel. You know, if you look at a bicycle wheel, and then only one spoke it represents uh, one spoke of that wheel. Uh, it's, it's small compared, compared to the whole picture. Um, but but any, where was I at now?
0: Uh, well, well, then you talk about another customer who brought you four, and, and this is probably not the Catholic priest. Who brought you four tapes? Four more tapes by Jim Shaw.
1: Yeah, that was what I I told you about. Right on also. Freemasonry. Yeah, and that's where I found this slip, and then I started getting the underground books. Right. Yeah.
0: The The Fourth Reich of the Rich. Shaw. but here's Griffin. here's
1: where I left off at. Uh, I didn't trust uh, I didn't ch- trust um, Arm- Armstrong, and so then <laughs> I decided to write to Sheldon Amory. You know, I was getting a few things from him, but I wasn't contributing anything to him otherwise. And I, I sent maybe fifteen dollars, and and told him that that I had read Sheldon Emery's book and what it was, or uh, Armstrong's book and what it was about, and 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 what did he have about it? Well, he sent me a book that uh, had the it explained the, the thing better than Armstrong did. Explained the subject, and then I was pretty sure uh, that I was an Israelite.
0: That, that's that, that's um, that's interesting. Did you study the scripture with that? That I, I guess you studied the scripture along with the book.
1: Oh yeah, yeah I. I yeah, I had uh, books in the back room, you know, concordances and stuff, and and um, well, it's like when I did that uh, chart on uh, um, Esau's descendants, Esau uh, and the um, different wives that he married, and then then ended up with fourteen dukes of Ed- Edom. And um, the Amalekites was one of the dukes of Eden. And uh, the Bible says that we'll have trouble with, you know, I th- I think we're, today's trouble is coming from Amalek. He said we would have trouble with Amalek from generation to generation.
0: Well, well right. The Amalekites have to be among the Edomites. They have to be according to Scripture. So... That the um you you had written that you sent to Emory, ultimately you sent to Emery for more information on Israel identity,
1: but and basically it was it was that that book, uh, um, and I'm trying to think of the title of that one. Uh, um, I can't think of the title of that one right now, but it confirmed everything that the other book said.
0: Everything that the Armstrong book said.
1: Yeah, and, and more. But but this they 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 put a paper in there that this guy didn't uh, uh, quite understand the, the Jewish situation, so I'm glad they 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 did insert that in there, and so that's what I got my uh, for my fifteen dollars that I sent to Sheldon well, Emery.
0: Armstrong was where, where did he come from? British Israel, he had to come from British Israel, right? Because he basically copied them. I, I mean. He, he had antipathy for Germans, which British Israel did. He, he um, didn't understand the Jewish situation, and neither does British Israel. It, it seems to me, I don't know if he
1: came from there or not, but it
0: seems to be a parallel.
1: Well, I think he's a guy, something like Yardavide or Edward Hine.
0: Uh, another Jewish interloper trying to steer yeah. people astray. That—that that, I wouldn't doubt that. So, so now you talk about... Um, In your last teaching letter on this series, you say, then in my study I continued to read about Cain and all of the Bible references concerning him, I knew what was there, meaning two seed line. I understood it in general that now Emory didn't teach two seed line. He he only taught from Esau and and Charles Weissman and and a lot of others have followed that, right?
1: I'm just trying to think if uh, Emory did – I think he originally did, and then later, later he rejected it. Wow.
0: Okay. That the I'm, I'm not yet. You know, of all the early CI teachers, the prominent uh, ones in, I, in America, I know, I'm I least that, uh, familiar with. i Chaltern
1: uh, b- believed strongly in the two seed line, and he was talked talked out of it. And, and I guess he was advised, you know, if you want to sell books, don't talk about two seed line.
0: Well, that makes sense, because I know that um, Artisan Publishers, what, which is selling all of E. Raymond Cap's material today, and and I've had correspondence with the man that owns and runs that, Lynn Hoffman, and he's told me that he helped support E. Raymond Kapp, and his way to recoup his, his support of Cap <coughs> is in profiting from Kat's work and he claims to hold the copyrights whether he really does or not I don't care uh, I'm not that interested in E. Raymond Kat's work and and even though he did us did us a lot of favors and laid a lot of good foundations he did go off into error and artisan publishers won't publish anything that I've seen that's 2C line nothing to this day and they publish a lot of stuff from Ted Wheeland, who is very vehemently against 2C line and, and and these men, I just don't believe they can stand in the truth. Uh, I believe they have an agenda and they would rather be popular and, and they reject the truth for one reason or another. I, I mean, that they may be on the wrong side of that 2C
1: line. I don't know. I, I can't. It makes you wonder sometimes.
0: Well, well yes, it does. Well, well in, in your um, biographical material at the end of it here, you, you, you talk about... Um, Compare and Swift. How did you make the leap from Sheldon Emery even to Compare and Swift? Do you remember h- how you came across them, or?
1: Well, you know, for some strange uh, reason, one day I got um, uh, Compre, all of Compare, not all of them, but a lot of Compare sermons. But it was in the old mimeograph uh, style, you know, a- right. and. Uh, Um, So it it wasn't uh, reading a nice uh, uh, printed thing, you know, made on a computer and that type of thing, uh, uh, or printed at a bookshop someplace. But but, uh, it it was fairly thick. And and of course, uh, Mrs. Snyder took all those and, and she actually reworded the English in a lot of it and, and she, she actually done a pretty good job but i got the old um uh, original one that that somebody in the corporate organization uh, evidently got my name and, and they they sent it to me uh, at no charge and and uh, i i said you know in the barbershop there i i, I would uh Sometimes have a slow day and, and and read by the hour from the from from those books, and and uh, I I really rated Compré high, but uh, through time I realized that that he he uh, I still rate him high, uh, but Ray, uh did have some mistakes.
0: He had some mistakes, but at least he stuck to the scripture.
1: Yeah, Unlike uh,
0: Wesley Swift, <laughs> yeah. who went off into all sorts of crazy avenues, and, well, and some of them are interesting, but most of them are pretty fantastic and should be held with suspicion.
1: Well, after my wife died and, uh, uh, and got the estate settled, I had more money than what I thought I was going to end up with, you know, because... I had a box sitting over here in the Davenport uh, full of bo- uh, bills and ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $20,000, 30000 bills, and I, I didn't know how I was ever going. But anyway, I finally got everything settled out. Uh, that was an amazing thing, too, because I decided to just to uh, send every, all the hospitals and uh, you know I wasn't going to tell this, but I think it should be told uh, I, I sent them all a notice that my wife had died and um, whether there was any outstanding bills left you know and and every one of those places they was going to charge me for a bunch of bills that had already been paid now my wife did did she she uh, uh, she knew books. She she knew how to do bookkeeping. And uh, I had the the receipts, uh, the checks that were then paid. And uh, so I systematically took the check, you know, uh, where it was signed on the back by them, sent a copy of it and said, we paid this one. And, and uh, pretty soon, didn't hear anything from any of them. And I'd pay uh, the insurance company had paid more than what I thought. And the lawyer I had over in Bowling Green at the time—this uh, uh, was in September. About two weeks after that, I was sitting over there, and he he settled up the estate. And, and uh, but you know, people ought to know this. You know, hey, these hospitals—if they can get by with it—tell they'll charge you the second time. Maybe three or four times after that. <laughs> but anyway, I just throw that in as a sideline. Uh, Bill, what else do you think uh, is... Well, well, what
0: was... Yeah, you know, you've never really written a lot about Swift. What's your impression of Wesley Swift?
1: Swift, well, I, I, yeah, I was getting ready to tell that uh, after my wife died, uh, uh, I... I I just sent in to uh, Louisiana, and and I told him to send me every uh, tape of Swift and Camperay, and and everything printed by them.
0: Now, now, when you say Louisiana, are you talking about Jim Warner and Metairie? Uh,
1: it's in Metairie. Uh, yeah, he's he, there. Was three branches of it: uh, the Sons Christian, of Liberty, Christian Crusade Church, Sons of Liberty, and another one. And and uh, this was a book division where I, I uh, they, one of them they called a book division, and uh, this is where I sent for the uh, uh, all these uh, various cassette tapes, and, and I I've listened to those tapes uh, a lot of them, you know. I'd I'd take the tape recorder to bed and turn it on. I'd would go to sleep. Uh, the tape recorder would. Uh, flip it over and you, you, you listen to set. I think I had four of them. I could listen to four of them. I would play one side and the other side and then go over the other tape, <laughs> play the front and the back side. Uh, of course, I'd go uh, asleep uh, long before that. The next night I'd try to find out where it left off, and I'd continue from there. And And i probably listen to all those tapes uh on the average maybe 20 25 times you know that's a lot of listens
0: these are the compare and swift tapes
1: besides reading the stuff
0: that yet you later supplied those same tapes to to the yes, Israel little yes, website. Did. Yeah. so the
1: but, but I I started cutting back on the uh, on uh, swift tapes because
0: uh, they were fantastic
1: yeah one guy yeah. pointed it out and and uh, so I started to be a little more careful after that and but you that, didn't
0: allow that to discredit your viewer two seed line. No, no. What, which sometimes, I mean, I, I love Wesley Swift. Lorraine Swift was a wonderful woman, and, and she was um very faithful to her husband, loved him very much, spread his ministry and some of his booklets faithfully for 30 years after the guy died. And, and even with all of that, that there's a lot of error in a lot of what Wesley Swift wrote that we have to correct. Yeah. But we have to accept that, that that even though he was a trailblazer in a lot of ways that we have to correct that the errors of our forebears, we don't want to be on a pedestal and, and we don't want to put our teachers on a pedestal. Then they become idols, right?
1: Well, I would say that from, uh, the time, you know, like, uh, when my wife died in 1993, it, at that particular time, uh, and, and then maybe back uh, 20 years before that, uh, I, I think uh, Comparé was probably the leading um, teacher in uh, Israel identity. Comparé
0: stuck to scripture. Yeah. Even though he wasn't perfect, he stuck to Scripture and, and and stayed with it and didn't go into all of the like the Zohar and 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 yeah. all of the mystical writings. I, I mean, I, I think he quoted Enoch, but e- Enoch, well, parts of Enoch should be in Scripture for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, one Enoch right. should be Scripture. But but Camperes did very well at sticking to Scripture and expounding on that alone. His output wasn't anywhere near what Swift's output was, but Swift's output isn't, is is not all good. That's my impression. I I mean, I did my critique of Wesley Swift a few months ago and gave
1: my reasons. Well, I felt that uh, both Swift and uh, Copperhead was dead and uh, probably there was nobody else uh, pushing those tapes, you know? So I, uh, uh, made well, up, well, made right. up a they, list, and um, and I did get uh, uh, some fairly big orders that o- ordered practically everything uh, that I was selling uh, on those tapes. I sent out some pretty good sized boxes.
0: Of they do have value. I'm not saying they don't have value. They certainly have a lot of value, and they're important. And 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 we're indebted that you, you perpetuated them because I don't um, Kingdom Identity Ministries in Arkansas had had um, has a lot of Swift material. But I I don't think it's anything near complete. It it's very it's only scanty, I I uh-huh. think. It's only very limited what he actually offers for, for sale for distribution. Well, well
1: I um I eventually sent all my I, I, I at least sent all the uh, Swift stuff uh to Seth uh
0: I, I know his name. We don't have to say his name okay. because I think he prefers uh, to be anonymous. I, I, anonymous. Uh, he had
1: a, had a website, and he converted all of them to um, podcasts. Right. And uh, so practically everything that I had uh, was uh, Swift and Caprae posted
0: on Israel Elect.
1: They're they're on uh, Israel Elect today now.
0: Yes, and and for most of them that's the only outlet. Uh-huh. that I know of. I mean, I know there are a few other people that post some Wesley Swift material, but for most of those recordings, I believe Israel Elect and, and now Christagenia are the only outlets.
1: Well, I was uh, thinking back, you know, uh, uh, we we're supposed to be talking about uh, what, uh, how I init- uh, initially got into... Um, Israel well, identity how, and...
0: Right. How you had made the transformation from Sheldon Emery and, and some of these other people and Armstrong to Swift and Compare.
1: Yeah. But
0: but I was hoping for your impression of Swift and Compare, and I think you gave us that to, for the most part.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: You, you had talked about, um in your paper, one of the biggest breakthroughs that you believe you made, what was Genesis 15... Verses nineteen through twenty-one, and and the connection of the Kenites and the Rephaim, eventually to the Canaanites and the Edomites, and and uh, I believe that's very legitimate. And in a precursory, and and you saw me do this just before this program, in, in a precursory examination of the writings of Swift and Comperay, I don't see a whole <coughs> lot about uh, about the Rephaim, and and there's not too much about the Kenites, even though they did make the assertion. That um, Cain was the ultimate father of of the serpent seed line to Jews, however you want to picture it, I, I describe it a lot differently myself, but that they did have that connection, but they didn 't seem to pro- propound it to expound on it fully enough that they really didn 't
1: well I, I think probably the thing that I should explain is um... Even though I was learning a lot about Israel, I didn't really get it on to two seed line real strong. Uh, um, a little after my till till my wife died, and uh, I found out that this Jim Wickstrom was out of prison, and um, I, I de- uh, decided to go start going to some of his meetings because he was. Uh, uh, I, sh- I should explain too that um, yeah I should explain him first because um, I flew with him out to uh, to Idaho to um, uh, so so let, let that me... compound out there with, with Butler Richard Butler yeah Richard Butler and and uh, while we were out there uh, Jim explained to me that uh, that everybody had turned against two Zealand.
0: what year was this um, about ninety
1: uh six or seven ninety five maybe
0: okay okay
1: yeah and um uh, i I told uh Jim and i I told him I'll, I'll get some books and I'll, I'll study up on it okay so i i did I got around and uh and uh, I went to the uh, Christian bookstore and, and, and got a, a lot of the basic books. And I, I was going to st- uh, use bookstores all over the place.
0: There, there were other people, though, teaching um, variations of what we call Two Seed Line. There was Mike Hallamore in Kingdom Identity Ministries, who, who was mostly just perpetuating the Swift material. And, and um, Dan Gaiman, who, who, I mean, he's not. On my friends list, but Dan Gaiman in Missouri, he does teach a form of two c line.
1: Well, basically, I, I, I was uh, I knew pretty much what uh, these other were, were teaching, but I, I felt that I needed to study it myself. In the meantime, I had bought bought a laptop computer I could take at the shop with me, and I I had a, a shelf on one had a shelf over on this side of me. And I had a toolbox over here, and I could have several books in there, and mm-hmm. pencils and stuff that you need. Uh, and uh, I, I started going through different commentaries and picking up what I could onto Sea Line. And and one one of the things I run into the Kenites, and and uh, that uh, uh, and you go to the right place. The 7014 and 7107, I believe it is, uh, in Strong's, and and it points to Cain. And I, I, I started my research there. I, uh, I got into the um, study of the giants and the, and the various various things, and uh, uh, um, I forget what I researched. Research papers proving the two-seed line seduction of Eve, I think I call it.
0: Well, which was basically based on the conclusions of your own study. right Now, now I remember reading that in, in when I was becoming acquainted with Christian identity, probably in 1997,
1: 1998. Well, and, uh,
0: and that, that's one thing I wanna, um, one thing I want to grab onto here. When when I had found Christian Identity in 1997 and read a whole pile of papers and and tracts and books, I decided to do the same thing that you did and only um, make my own original studies. So I laid laid aside all of the other Christian Identity material from everybody else.
1: That's basically what I did. That's
0: what you did. And that, that's what we should do, and, and that's what we encourage people to do with our writing today, is to study it for themselves, not just to take for granted what we say. And I think you have that same attitude.
1: And I would take uh, the words in a verse, and I would go, look, I have every single word to see what it meant right. in the Hebrew.
0: Well, well, I decided to only read original material and not to read any more CI material in 1998 until I ran into you and and we started together and 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 I started writing you and and Ralph Daigle had put me on your mailing list and I started <coughs> receiving your material and I made an exception and just continued to read your material, which was which was good i I mean it taught, taught me a lot it helped me a lot too
1: well you uh, you the help you gave me was amazing though you you saved me uh, some from some real pitfalls. And I, I, I'm sure glad that uh, you wrote all those notes to me. Now, it took me it took me about three or four years to realize uh, your ability, and, and I wish I would have realized it sooner than that.
0: So you went to the Aryan Nations compound in 1995 with Wickstrom. Yeah. And at that time <coughs> he was one he was one of the few still teaching to seedline.
1: Yeah, you have to give him credit for that. Uh, you know, you you give credit to a guy uh, where credit's due, and and criticism where criticism's due.
0: Right, right. And and so, so, Richard Butler, I guess, made no real impression on you, or I don't think he turned away from two C line, did he? Uh,
1: I don't know. Well, he 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 believed the uh, two C line and everything. I'm not sure that he was one of us.
0: I've heard that rumor before. Um,
1: You know, I I can't say uh, one way or the other, but uh, um, I I don't think his military style was uh, anything to follow.
0: Right. I I don't. I I mean, Wesley Swift started that with the Blue Tunic Army. And he just made that story up. And and Richard Butler got it from Wesley Swift and, and, and continued it. And and I think that they were caught up in that, um, my opinion is that they were caught up in that militia movement and that Christian patriot thing. And they really thought that eventually they could win enough people to take the country back from the enemy. And and it it didn't happen, right? It didn't materialize.
1: One story that I got kind of secondhand, I'm I'm pretty sure it's true, but, uh, you know, uh, Butler had a printing press. And and uh, there was somebody up there making counterfeit money on that printing press and passing it around.
0: Well, that would be um, that would just be silly. No, <laughs> that, well, I mean that's that's what it's I You're just begging I, for trouble from the government, and it's I, not necessary. And it just I kind of found it out
1: after the, the fact, you know, and, and uh, but that's one of the things that uh, I found out. Uh, that was happening uh, at that place there in Idaho.
0: Right. That that to me that's irresponsible. Not because I love the government. It's irresponsible because it's not the way to fight the fight that we have in front of us. It's just not the way to do it.
1: Right. The, the, there's, um, there's a lot of lot of uh, there was a lot of things I didn't approve of after visiting Butler's place there, and and he wrote. Uh, he kept sending me uh, invitations to join, and I never joined. And, uh, and, and uh, I, never, I never supported him uh, in any way. Over
0: those early years, you also ran into a lot of other people that I would basically dismiss as quacks, that people like the Luden, Tennessee crowd. You want to talk about the Luden, Tennessee crowd and, and oh, yeah. Charles uh, uh, and Scott Vaught? Because some of your early papers were to address that crowd and and some of their heresies, right?
1: Yeah. The lies
0: of Scott Vaught, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: one time, uh, uh, it was in September, you know, and and I hadn't taken any vacation. My wife had died, and I decided I knew they was going to have the Fall Festival, the the Feast of um, Trumps, I think it is in the fall. Not Trumps, but... uh, uh, uh Fe- feast of booths.
0: Feast of yeah, right. The those tabernacles, booths.
1: Feast of tabernacles, and uh, uh, I knew this uh, lady in Kentucky, and uh, uh, she really didn't have any way to get there, so I picked her up and, and took her along and. I was looking forward to... Well, Jim Jim Workson was supposed to speak at that meeting. And so so that was one of the reasons for going down. And and so we ended up going down there and and, uh, I I never run into so so much bullshit in all my life. (laughs) And uh, this got bought and... uh, uh, and then there was a minister there i uh, started with f uh, 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 but he says listen to that guy listen to that guy you know like like he has something special And scott Spott was supposed to understand paleo hebrew
0: right which is uh, just he's
1: supposed to be an expert in paleo hebrew but you know the only paleo hebrew that i've ever seen is in some of my Bible dictionaries, in one place they they dug a well down uh, in case they have a siege, you know, and and they wrote uh, uh, above the uh, uh, where they where they go down to get the water. Uh, it's in Paleo Hebrew. One of the few-
0: yeah, there's only a few inscriptions that are actually in in authentic Paleo Hebrew which survive, and. Scott Vaught, I ended up back in maybe 2010, 2011, in an email argument with him. And one of his um, sidekicks, side one of the clowns in his circus. And he admitted to the – he claimed to have – to be a Paleo-Hebrew expert based on the Samaritan Pentateuch. And I know for a fact that he's never seen the Samaritan Pentateuch. I know he's never seen it because I know how the Samaritan Pentateuch is treated. And I also know that the Samaritan Pentateuch isn't really, it can't be established that it's really Paleo-Hebrew in the first place. Well, well, Scott Vaught admitted to the other person in an email that he never really saw the Samaritan Pentateuch, but he CC'd me by mistake. He, CC'd, he copied me the email by mistake. So he told on himself.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember that, but I can't remember the...
0: uh, In reality, he takes the vowel points out of the words in the Strong's Concordance and claims he's an expert at Paleo-Hebrew just by erasing the Masoretic Rabbinical vowel points. That's what he really does.
1: What I understand, I don't know whether it's true or not, but the the modern uh, Hebrew with the uh, square... Uh, letters? Yes. That's that's where the Aramaic make was originally. And what they did, they just picked up the Aramaic uh, and wrote it in Aramaic after that. And that's that's what we consider uh, um, uh, the
0: modern Hebrew.
1: Mod, the, yeah.
0: And they added the vowel points later. Yeah. And, and yes, that's probably pretty accurate.
1: Mm-hmm. So it basically is, uh, uh, the Hebrew we have now is just adjusted from the, uh, Aramaic, uh, and using the square letters of the Aramaic.
0: But, but even that, I don't think the square letters existed until the second, third century BC. I'm not a hundred percent Well, that's positive, another
1: possibility.
0: They're fairly late in, in his, in history. That, that's besides <laughs> the point. Mom, The purpose of my bringing up luton Tennessee, is this, that as soon as you engage yourself in a study of of Christian identity, the way we see it, and and two seed line, especially the the identification of the enemies of God versus the identification of the race of God. And and that's the way I see two seed line. And, And everybody that's not of the Adamic race has to be classified as one of the enemies of God. And, and descended from the enemies, not not from his people and And as soon as you embark on that endeavor, you're besieged by all sorts of people with agendas. And, and that seems to be what you ran into in Luton, Tennessee. these people that, that claim to be two seed line and Christian identity and and they're interjecting all sorts of unnecessary, agendas and and rabbit trails and and lies into what we perceive what we can perceive to be truth
1: well you know i i, I recall i'm pretty sure the year now i believe it was 96 i just bought a computer and i and and i bought it from gateway and and uh, i paid seven thousand dollars for um a monitor and and they um uh, what do you call it? Stand, uh, uh, the part, that the the tower, and and uh, and a printer. And uh, I went. I I took a lot of mental notes while I was down there. I, I can remember things pretty well, and and a lot of things that uh, Scott was saying. And as soon as I got back from that m- meeting. I got on my computer, and the very first thing I did, I wrote uh, an article, and I called it The Lies that Scott bought. And I don't know whether that's on the Internet now or not. uh, I don't
0: know. I would have to go looking for it. I don't even know if it's on your website. But the point of this is that, well, just to show the the rabbit holes and distractions and side arguments that you get caught up in that seem to be endless. I mean, you've had them ever since you were involved in your studies, right?
1: Yeah, it seems like every time I turn around, somebody's trying to twist something
0: and, and present it to you and force it on you. Which well, is... I've
1: had different ones uh, write to me and uh, uh, you know try to redirect my writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been resistance to that, mm-hmm. and uh, and basically, I I, I I I did like you. I I, I decided to. Uh, there was other things happened. Uh, we had this Paul Brenham telling some fantastic stories. and um, Paul Burnham? Yeah, Paul Burnham. Uh, Paul Burnham believed that uh, Jim Wickstrom was a clone. Was a clone. Yeah. And, and in fact, he thought the, the different presidents were clones. And, and he, he had a lot of people uh, that he thought were, were clones and And he was getting getting his uh, information that there was uh believe it or not this priest that I talked to to give me good information. he also gave me a whole bunch of tapes by peter beater what what uh, woman would a uh, self-respecting woman would call her son Peter Beter? But anyway, this Peter Peter, he was pushing his clone stuff, and and, uh, um, and and now Paul Burnham was real good on two c line. He could take you through the through through uh, um, uh, the King James version and and and, uh, and just point out all, all the places out, you know. And and I asked Paul if he'd help me. To uh, do a paper on two seed line going doing that, well, he wouldn't help me, so uh, I did. I, so I did it myself, and that you know that paper I have, you know, with uh, with a King, good King James version that uh, uh, approves two seed line. Uh, uh, basically, I was following Paul Burnham's uh, system. I didn't give him any credit because he didn't want to help me. And so I just studied it out for myself, and I think I, I think I ended up doing a better job than than he was doing.
0: What well, well probably.
1: And and uh, we had uh, 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 Jim Wickstrom didn't like Paul Burnham, and Paul Burnham didn't like uh, Jim Wickstrom, and and I decided to you know uh, stick by myself. I had no no intentions. Uh, of getting uh, attached to somebody else, I, I, I didn't know that you were in the offing.
0: Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> that the, um, I, I just want to clarify something, because a lot of my listeners understand that Jim Wickstrom has a very shady past, going back to the Gordon Call Posse Comitatus days, but you couldn't have known about that because you weren't involved in Christian identity in those at that time.
1: Uh, I'm, 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 uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I remember, uh, sending money to Ruby Ridge, you know? Okay. And Gordon Cole, all that, and the, and the Texas,
0: uh. Well, Ruby Ridge was a few years after Gordon Cole, though. Ruby Ridge was during the Clinton administration, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't involved at that time, so I don't know, I think.
1: But Gordon Uh, Howe was like identity meetings up in Michigan with um, uh, um, Sheldon Emery and E. Raymond Capt up there, and they had a preacher from England, which was pretty pretty good, and uh, an ex Mormon, uh, and uh, he was uh, pretty good on some things and that would have been in the 80s so uh i i knew i i, be, I begin to understand identity starting starting about 1980
0: okay well that was yeah, you were only beginning and that was when gordon call i, I think he was killed around 1980 it, if I, I don't remember the exact dates but
1: i never sent any money to the calls but i sent some money to the um uh the Ruby Ridge incident, uh, where they where this Ora Uchi, the, shot that uh, woman uh, holding her child.
0: Right. Right. That was later on. That was a few quite a few years after Gordon Cowell. Gordon Cowell died in 1983. I, I just I remember up. the
1: incident because uh, I was listening to to Tom Valentine on short wave. I'd uh, I'd hook my my VCR and, and then play the audio through the VCR, and he'd pick it up during the night. And if if he had good reception, which only about half the nights mm-hmm. did, but then I would listen to it the next day in between customers. And
0: well, I'm just trying to establish that you really went, when you met with, when you first became acquainted with Wickstrom, you really didn't know about the details of his involvement in the Gordon Cull
1: case. No, I, I, I had no idea. Right.
0: I, I just want to clarify I that. I
1: soon learned he's a womanizer.
0: Oh yeah, he's a womanizer. There's no doubt. There's all kinds of real proof of that, and and that's I'm sure why we don't deal with him too much today. What 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 other um, early identity figures do you remember? I, I mean, did you ever have anything with Bill Gale? I, I don't know. Really, remember when he died? I've got
1: a couple tapes by him, and that's about it. And, and I. Uh... I know about it. I, I know people that knew him quite well. I like Dan, Danny uh, Uptegraff, uh, 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 He's personally met Gail and went to Gail's meetings and stuff like that.
0: And and there's also Debbie who who was with Gail and knew Joni Call real good.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
0: don't want to say her last name for yeah. her <laughs> for her own privacy. That there's um so there's people in touch with those old timers who who know you. And, and um, are, are sort of act like a bridge, yeah. from, from that 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 60s, 70s period of Christian identity.
1: Yeah, I might uh, add to one one thing that uh, I think one of the one of the biggest finds that I that I found in all of my research, and, and I w- I was uh, writing a lot of stuff about Esau and about about. Um, about, about Judah, you know, uh, and clear up to, I was ta- uh, speaking about Judah up to less than 30 and beyond that, uh, uh, this, this great patriot Judah or something like I call him, and uh, I wanted to get the truth out on Judah because a lot of people looked at him in, in the wrong way, you know. Right, that, and, um, there are,
0: that there are um, many people in Christian, who claim to be Christian identity who despise Judah because they blame Judah for Jews when the two topics are really quite remote from one another.
1: But anyway, uh, when my wife and I, and this was in the 80s, uh, went up to Detroit, Michigan to an identity place up there. And they they had uh, uh, E. Raymond Captain and Sheldon Emery and um, uh, a guy that was doing the video. Uh, He he was a former Mormon and uh, a a minister, an identity minister from England. Uh, This guy that was a former. A Mormon, uh, uh, he had a couple of talks himself, and and he he got onto that passage where we shouldn't abhor an Edomite, and he meant that he meant that in a little sense. And I knew that that didn't match up with Malachi. Right. And.
0: Uh, and Paul quoted Malachi as scripture. Uh huh. That exact passage in Malachi. Uh
1: huh. But, but uh, so I, I I got home from oh another thing happened while I was up there. I might as well uh, talk about that. Uh, um, we had time off uh, between uh, stations. Uh, it was a week a, a Friday night and a weekend, uh, sort of a long weekend type of thing with several things. And and a lunchtime we'd all take off to some place to eat. You know, my wife and I was driving around a district around a. Uh, seven, eleven, ten, eleven, twelve mile roads up in 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 uh, Detroit, and and I told my wife, said this this looks like a Jewish neighborhood, and, and, uh, and then we saw a, a Jewish high school and, and a Jewish college, and they had a lot. Uh, it just seems like uh, every block they had used bookstores. And you could be sure, sure sure that they was Jewish bookstores, and I told my wife I'm uh, we're going to stop in to one of these Jewish bookstores and see what they have. <laughs> so uh, we stopped in one, and and I, I did have a little money with me enough to uh, buy a few items. Uh, I might have had three hundred dollars with me, and uh, went in there and um, we started picking up things. I I picked up a, a Jewish Old Testament, uh, uh, the, the, the Masoretic text. You know, it almost reads like the King James. You know, uh, I, I wanted to get that to compare it to King James. <clears throat> but anyway, it was one of these old stores with real high ceilings. Uh, you probably remember them, Bill. And and they, they would have ladders that you could climb, and they were on rollers.
0: Oh, I remember those.
1: And. Uh, uh, they had put books piled up, clear up, uh, probably 17, 18 feet mm-hmm. high up above there. I told my wife, I wonder what's up there. <laughs> so I, I get on the ladder and I go up um, to the top and I get to looking around. <coughs> well, I had sent, uh, they put me on a, a list of books uh, uh, on the um uh, the, from Louisiana, the book division down there. Um, and, and they sent out uh, uh, books that could be bought. Well, they had the history of the Jews by Greitz on that. Well, I sent for that. And, of course, they, they send you other stuff. Somebody evidently got was ahead of me and got it. When I got up on the top of that uh, ladder, up there was a full set of Greitz books. Plus, plus an extra one that they they had updated, and and uh, so uh, I could I could only uh, handle about two or three at a time going up down that ladder, and I had to go up there about three times to get everything I needed. So uh, I ended up buying Greit's book, and uh, and um, I even talked to the clerk there, which is Jewish, into talking about. a Buying a town, one of the first thing he said, Well, I'll sell you one, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah if they're gonna make money off you, they don't care. And,
1: and uh, uh, but I, I, I kind of uh, uh, you, you know, when, you, when you're in the enemy's camp, uh, you 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 kind of talk his terms, you know. And they had a mini series right close to that, uh, it was about four or five nights. The mini series is about four nights each night and they called it the civilization of the Jews. Do you do you remember that many series? No. Well it was on and so I was talking about, you know, watching that and how interesting it was, you know. Well, it was interesting because I was finding out some stuff I didn't know before. <laughs>
0: the Jews tell on themselves often.
1: Yeah, uh, and uh, but uh, I didn't I didn't buy the uh, Talmud uh, but I, I spent about uh, two hundred forty dollars, I think, uh, uh, in there that day of, of Jewish books, and I and I would say anybody that wants, to, if if you want to buy some Jewish books, go a town, to a town that has a Jewish uh, district, and th- they'll have they'll have some Jewish schools and and libraries and Jewish uh, bookstores. In fact, all oh, the uh, these Jewish books I got, you know, uh, they had the uh, names of the Jews that owned it before me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but that's, um, is, isn't that a way of torturing yourself? Uh, I mean, I noticed some things about Jews that we can only get from Jews. And and in the, um, some of the work I've done, a lot of the German or English writers often quote Jewish sources and very often those sources are corroborated to a great extent, that, but we can't really consider them fully trustworthy. You've
1: you got, you got, you got to know the entire context of the Bible to start with, and then, then know when to uh, use them and then when to leave them alone.
0: Well, well right. And, and I'm talking more, more medieval Jewish history is very hard to attain from only Christian sources. Yeah, right. And and earlier, the, the, the earlier history of, of the Jews in the first Christian centuries is difficult to attain from only Christian sources. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of writers quote Jewish sources, and, and we have to be careful with them. But sometimes we have no choice.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, I, I, I think that I didn't uh, complete one of the stories I was about to tell and got on something else and uh, but th- but these are some of the things that uh, about about my ministry and and how I uh, how I learned identity and uh, uh, after I was sure of myself, I knew that I had to tell my wife that we were Israelites
0: Well I, I from what I think, of, I've seen of the years when you first started to write by um that that was in May of 1998 Yep. Yeah. and by then you would basically shed all of your affiliations and friendships with other CI people to concentrate on studying for yourself and putting out your own writing right yeah you in would...
1: fact I, I had this heart attack and it's flying me to uh... Toledo to MCO, a Medical College of Ohio. And my boy was down in St. Louis. My wife was dead. and uh, When did
0: your wife die?
1: She died in 93. Okay. So uh, five years after she died, I had this heart attack. So it's you like, were
0: running around with Wickstrom and visiting Richard Butler and all of that? Yeah, and that. Yeah, and that your Christian identity exploration years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where right. after your wife had passed. Well, even a little bit with my wife beforehand, you know. Okay. So, uh, uh, yeah. And um, uh, I was trying to think uh, where I was at there again.
0: Uh, I'm sorry. You were talking about your wife have, having passed and, and you were, yet yeah, you had fallen ill and you were in a hospital.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I was, I was headed, heading, heading, heading. Uh, in the helicopter, to MCO, and uh, landed on a roof. And, and of course, I was uh, couldn't see where I was, you know. And they wheeled me into some uh, place, and I was inside on an elevator going someplace. And 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 then, uh, you know, they're they wheeling me around a different direction, evidently head, heading for the operating room. And they throw these papers in front of me. And, but on the way up, I, I prayed a silent prayer to myself and I promised the Almighty, if he get me through this, that I would close up my barbershop and write the rest of my life. And that's what I've done. I made the promise and I've kept the promise.
0: And hopefully it will last for a few more years.
1: Well, I, I'm looking forward to... We pray. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't want to talk about myself. But, but, um, in, in probably July of 98 or maybe August, I got this package in the mail from Clifton and Heiser's Watchman's Teaching Ministries, and it was three or four of your first teaching letters. And I wondered how, how the heck did I get these? I'd already decided not to read any other Christian identity material. (coughs) And I wondered, how did I get these? And and I went and asked Ralph Daigle and he said, Oh, I put your name on his mailing list. So I decided, well, I'm gonna read these. I'll read these because Ralph took the time to get my name on your list. And and um I read them and they were good. I liked them. You were talking about um Joe about Judah at the time, I think. Yeah. And and as I, I wanna clarify what I said before, a lot of people in Christian identity that they despise judah and blame judah for the jews which isn't entirely true because he he wasn't the only israelite who race mixed in all history uh, i mean the Shelahites had had um gotten their identity from judah but these people there there's a segment in identity that despises all of judah and, and only counts 11 tribes of israel <laughs> Yeah. and and that's why you would that's why you were writing that was to address them yeah right and that was the heresies of the crowd in Lewddon Tennessee right right so so that's where you started and then you moved on to Egypt and and so on and so forth and I think that we didn't start really corresponding I, I think I first wrote you in in after watchman's teaching letter number eight but we didn't really start corresponding until about number 20. Mm-hmm. And that would have been the end of 1999, mm-hmm. towards then.
1: Well, uh, I, another story there I didn't complete. I uh, After I got back from Detroit and this guy spoke about Edom, it took me 15 years to figure out that the um, it doesn't say that you should abhor an Edomite. It says that you shouldn't abhor a Syrian.
0: Right, the one-letter difference between the D and the R.
1: And well, and and, uh, but it took me fifteen years to figure that out. Well,
0: well, right, but you did us a favor.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, I don't know of any any other identity person that ever wrote on that.
0: No, they didn't. No, there is none. You were first. I, I, I think
1: I was first on that.
0: the The, the shame is that the Daleth Resh confusion, and sometimes a Vav Resh confusion, because in those block Hebrew letters, the Daleth, which is the D, and the Resh, which is the R, and the Vav, which could be a V or a W are all very similar it's they're only separated by the stroke at the top the length and the type of the stroke and they're very easy to confuse and there's a lot of confusion in the old testament and in the old testament translations to the septuagint we see the confusion between especially the r and the d and if it's an R, if it's an r then genesis 23 7 says, Thou shalt not abhor Assyrian, because that word would be Aromi. And if it's a D, it would say Edomi. And the modern Hebrew copies read it as a D for an Edomite or an Edomi, rather than as an R for an Aramean or Assyrian. So it's a really subtle mistake. And that would if we change that D to an R, assuming that the scribes made that error because they made it in so many other places, then there's no conflict
1: between Deuteronomy and Malachi. Right.
0: It's that simple.
1: Right. Well, that cleared it up for me, and I was kind of surprised the amount of static I got from it uh, that uh, from different people because I wrote that.
0: Right. But it's a valid point. It's an entirely valid point that the Sir- Laban was a Syrian. The Syrians were brethren through the Israelites. That they were Aram was a brother of Arphaxad, right? Mm-hmm. And and the Syrians and the Israelites had a very close relationship all throughout ancient ancient scripture. If you look at the lands where David conquered. And, and there were Israelites in Damascus, and all the way up to Hamath, there were Israelites, and the the Israelites controlled that land all the way past the time of Jeroboam too, and, and until the Assyrians took it. So that that land of the Syrians was controlled by the Israelites for for three hundred years. And the Israelites certainly did mix with a lot of the Syrians during that time. And the Greeks considered the Israelites Syrians. Herodotus referred to the people of Judah. Clear historical events that the people of Judah in the Old Testament took part in. Herodotus called them the Syrians of Palestine. And that's how he, re- he referred to the people of Judah. That's why the people of Judah aren't mentioned in Herodotus, because he called them the Syrians of Palestine.
1: Well, the reason they aren't mentioned in the Egyptian, much is because um, they called the Israelites Amorites.
0: Right, because that they were the, inhabitants uh, from the land. The
1: geographic area. Right,
0: a geographic area, the land that formerly belonged to the Amorites. Just like today we call Negroes Americans. Because they inhabit the geographic area. Well, well I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about. It, it's um, Well, we could keep going if you want. It's up to you. I, I don't know if, uh, yeah, you know, over the years, it, if there's anything that stands out. It, if there's um, a, any trouble you wish wouldn't have happened. If there's anything that you wish you could have done better. If there's anything you think you could have been more diligent with, or that you missed, that you'd like to write on and haven't had the opportunity,
1: well, I think it was um, I, I think it was a good uh, idea that I went to Detroit to that meeting. At, uh, uh, although the guy that, that had that church that invited those guys in, he was a Universalist, and I I, I wrote some. Uh, uh, Pamphlets on Universal against uh, some of the some of the stuff that he was putting out. Was that Jory Brooks? Jory Brooks, yeah.
0: Okay, but he Jory Brooks was tied in with that Canadian British Israel thing, right?
1: Yeah. And Stephen Jones, wasn't he? Yeah, I think Stephen Jones was in uh, that too.
0: And, and Stephen Jones, Ted Whelan, Jory Brooks—that they're like a Universalist flavor of christian identity that i can't even count them as christian identity
1: i don't know what you'd call them they they uh they're it's like that thing that you said you want to talk about uh um either scatterers or gatherers
0: right and they're 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 scatterers if you're sending the word of god which is only for the children of israel I mean David said that he only gave his law to Israel. He didn't deal so with any other nation, and you're sending those books to negroes in Africa like Ted Whelan does. You're a scatterer. Yeah. You're not a gatherer. So so you're not because you're not gathering with Christ. He didn't come to gather hot and tots. I think you wrote that once. <laughs> I
1: probably probably did.
0: The the um I think there was one more point I wanted to talk on and and I don't know if you want to talk about it or mention them or not. It doesn't matter to me. It's immaterial, but this is also before I came on the scene and I remember you telling me about this as yet, you know, to make me be careful about my associations with, with these people. And, and that was the group that wanted to start their own shadow government.
1: Oh yeah. Um, Um, Of course, the um, rabbi at Chicago, that was his idea. (laughs) The rabbi
0: from Chicago.
1: (laughs) But it was another guy that wrote up the Constitution. And uh, uh, what the rabbi told me that they was going to talk about, they were going to write a white paper on two sea lines. Well, you know, uh, that's right down my line. And after after we found a meeting place for them and everything, and they got there, they changed the subject, and and they wanted to start a shadow government.
0: That that's the old Canaanite bait and switch that's called. That they baited you with a white paper on two seed line, and they switched it with with a plot to overthrow the government.
1: Well, you know, uh, maybe the Almighty. Um, there was one guy went home and told somebody else. And and they were uh, now they were supposed to have another meeting coming later, you know, a second meeting. And this other guy was in South Dakota. And I don't, I don't know just who it was anymore. But he got a hold of my number and, and, and he got it from this guy. that One guy was a loudmouth in the group. And, and he knew that it was going to plan another meeting. He called me and he says, you better not have that meeting. And I says, what meeting are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I, didn't give him, uh, uh, I didn't give him very much uh, satisfaction if that's what he wanted.
0: Right, right. He's trying to get you on tape to say that you knew
1: about the meeting, right? Well, uh, that, I got to thinking to about mean. it, and uh, I, I decided to call uh, a friend over at uh, North Baltimore that owns the property there and uh, called him to, uh, to cancel the preparations for it. And I, I called uh, about four or five guys. I had their num- numbers. I had it on cell phone at the time. And I called each one and neither, none of them was home, but I left a message that it was canceled. That that was the end of that.
0: And, and that rabbi in Chicago was AKA Joseph November. Right. What year was that? Was that ninety five, ninety six, or or that was a little later? I think. No, right?
1: this this was much later. Uh, um, it it it'd be hard for me right now to uh state state just when that was uh. uh if I had known that they was going to uh, pull that trick, uh, I'd have never uh, looked up, up, look, you know made arrangements for a place to meet. Right. Uh, there was 30. Uh, he managed to get 30 identity people there, and, he, and they told them all not to bring their wives.
0: That sounds suspicious. If it's a white paper on two seed line, why wouldn't they bring their wives if that's all that was going on? Mm-hmm. I don't want to travel without my wife. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that um
1: I don't know I don't know why should. why they didn't want to have their wives come.
0: But well, if the feds are going to raid the place <laughs> and, and lock everybody up, maybe they don't want to um maybe they that they didn't have the heart to see the women get arrested. I don't, I don't know. I I'm just conjecturing. But it all sounds pretty shady and 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 I'm just saying this as an example that we should always be on guard against those things
1: <laughs> well I, I called it a halt with him uh I wrote him an email i wish I could remember the um subject um, and i i i kind of warned him like and uh he wrote an email back. He says you're going to lose. No, uh, I don't see that he's won anything.
0: <laughs> Not, no, it, 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 he's ludicrous. It was ridiculous. I, I just thought I'd bring that up. You got you
1: got home in '09, right? So
0: December of '08. '08. Mid December of '08. December 8, 2008.
1: I was trying to. This this meeting happened before. You got home uh, a couple of years or so.
0: Okay. I, I don't know if we have anything else to talk about. Is, is there anything you want to conclude with and any um, adages? <laughs> any? Uh, I, I don't know if we're going to get the chance to do this again. Yeah. <laughs> so you better make the best of it. I,
1: I can't think of anything right offhand. I, I have a lot of stories that I could tell, but... Uh... Uh, I've noticed that people that find this message, they all got their own story. Yeah, yeah, right. Different. It's
0: all a different way. Yeah. It's but but the, the paths, the main paths, the conspiracy history. That that was um that that was how I was introduced That I think that was how uh, when when I was um first in prison, I was in I was introduced to conspiratorial history first. And, and was reading Spotlights and Barnes Reviews and things like that. And, and then 10 <laughs> months later, 10 months after that endeavor began, uh, I found somebody with a pile of CI books that gave me a pile of CI books and said, here, check this out. It, it was like I was being set up for it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I really thought that it, it's the same process that you took, just a totally different way. Uh, I really thought that w- without the, the – um opening and, and awakening to the first level, I, I may not have accepted
1: the second. Mm-hmm. Well, looking back, I, I you know, it kind of all started uh, in the, um, all around 63 and 64 through there. And, and I saw everything was gone to hell, you know, and, uh, uh, uh some of my customers noticed how things were going, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, if you're running a barber shop, uh, the atmosphere in a barbershop shop is kind of like in a locker room, you know, right. You know, uh, uh, Trump talks about his locker room <laughs> talk, you know, well, I, I'm not sure just how they talk in beauty shops, but but I, I know they talk pretty rough in, in the barber shop, you some guys come in and they talk talk pretty rough.
0: Well, well, you had at least four different customers that had elements of this, right? Yeah, you had at least four different customers that you mentioned, the Catholic priest and three others. Yeah. One of them had Herbert W. Armstrong. Another one had Sheldon Emery. Yeah. Another one had something else. Yet yeah, you had at least four Jim different Shaw. customers. Yeah. At least four different customers who were searching for answers. Yeah. And sharing that search
1: with you. Yeah. Yeah, right. And and the thing of it was uh, uh, earlier on uh, the people didn't. Uh, there was other people. Uh, my customers saw what was coming. They didn't like this, and and uh, uh, they'd make such statements as uh, uh, they'd see that uh, uh, th- these women, that uh, white women. They'd be pushing a stroller down the street, and, and uh, here's a here's a curly-headed turd in the stroller. Stroller they call it that that she shit out someplace along the line. You know, that's that's the way they, a lot of the customers talking about those women well, ha- having these half-breeds.
0: They were talking truthfully.
1: Yeah, and and they would say, you know, uh, um, you don't see a a robin out here, mounting a bluebird, uh, the, the, the birds have more sense than we have.
0: Now, now not for nothing, but, but and, and I noticed this, and Melissa noticed it in 2015, and, and I kind of noticed it in 2012 when I was here the first time. This is Fostoria, Ohio. It's not Cleveland. It's not Youngstown. This is a tiny farm town. I, I don't know if it's like eight, ten, twelve thousand 12,000 people. It, it's no more than that.
1: It was up to around fifteen or sixty it thousand. It's been well, losing a little bit.
0: Well, well, Fostoria, we've noticed a high percentage of high yellow Negroes here, um, mulattoes mixed with white and black. A lot of them here that are in like the the the, the twenty five to thirty five age bracket.
1: Yeah, and it about back to so that time. There, there was,
0: was a serious race mixing problem here in 1970, perhaps, 19, 1980,
1: in that There period. was a lot of it happening there in 63, 64, 65, in that period. That's when it was beginning.
0: And there's a lot of mulattoes here in this town. Yeah. And it's a small town.
1: Of course, this is a railroad town, and and this has brought all kinds of people into the factory. So this was a fact, a Fact. we had uh, several good-sized factories in this town. And, and uh have uh, six or seven ra- railroads going through town. It's only about four now. But at one time, we had six or seven railroads going through this town.
0: But when you first drive into Fostoria, it looks like Mayberry. And, and it's middle America, and it's small-town America, and, and there's all these mulattoes. It's like... Well so, they,
1: they used to be down on the other side of the railroad tracks uh, uh, down on the that's where they have the colored church down there uh, um, in the northeast end there uh, we went past it one night when you was here was looking for a restaurant and you accidentally happened to take that uh, street and and uh, okay went right down through the the color remember
0: it <laughs> I remember it. Well, well, that's interesting. So, so, that these people that that were helped in your awakening to Christian identity were were, were discussing what was going on and started searching for the truth. Yeah, and now you're probably the only identity Christian in town, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: um, there was one other guy that uh, he was sort of a uh, Fowler, Fowler. that guy and uh, um. Is Shell City or something like that? Not, no, that. Not, uh, I was trying to think. Uh, he, he's, he's one of these guy, guys that baptize niggers. That's an identity. Murray.
0: Arnold Murray. Arnold right. Murray. He's another halfway house. He, he's another stepping stone. But the problem is that most people on those stepping stones don't take the next step. But we're constantly debating and running into Arnold Murray followers in social media, and and they're obstinate. That they would fight for hours to defend a nigger. Yeah. That they'd shoot you over a nigger. They kill a white man.
1: But but you know I I I bought just I bought an awful lot of uh, Murray's taped videotapes, and on some of his archaeology is pretty good. But. Uh, I I got a hold of two of his revelation tapes, and I listened to part of the first one, and I knew I knew right away he didn't know what he's talking about, and Re- he believes the way the futurists do.
0: Well, well, right. The mainstream denominational Christians, most of them, are futurists.
1: Yeah, anybody that's following Murray, they're kidding themselves.
0: Well, well, I don't know where to go with that. I, I don't. I don't know what else to speak about. I mean, we could knock them all off one at a time. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> I, I think we needed to mention Murray. I mean, uh, uh, he, he's not a gatherer either.
0: How, how, the the people throughout your career, uh, I mean, I know you must have talked about two seed line. You, you worked?
1: I really believe it. Uh, you know, I – I turned out a customer every 10 to 12 minutes. When did you retire? Uh, when I had that heart attack. 97, 98? 98,
0: 98. 98. February. So you worked until 98, and, and you were pretty cognizant and pretty well-schooled in Christian Identity 2C line for at least well, 15 I, uh, years. I, I got
1: so that I could tell the 2C line story in about five minutes. And I, I did this, you know, I could... I. I don't have to think to cut hair because my hands know what right. what to do
0: so how much business did you lose?
1: Uh, I lost some some, but I gained more than I lost
0: and how many people accepted the story? Hardly any, <laughs> but they must have been at I least remember one guy in particular
1: <laughs> I, I thought I was really getting the message across to him. And and I w- I was telling him all the pertinent pertinent things that he should know, you know, and, and I thought I was getting the story across. He got up from the chair, paid me, turned around with his combed his hair, he says, "But you know, they're God's chosen people."
0: <laughs> he, they just can't get it. That they just can't be deprogrammed in a barber chair. I <laughs> I guess. Uh, they're probably not going to be deprogrammed. Yeah,
1: but I, I could tell. I could tell uh, the seduction of Eve in, in about five minutes.
0: Right, and and anybody who's studied in Scripture should be able to. But there was
1: other guys that said, that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. But they probably didn't pursue it.
1: They didn't pursue it, no.
0: And that's typical. And you have about the same success rate with prisoners.
1: The you know the prisoners seem to.
0: But how many of them stay with it?
1: The funny thing of it is, after they get home, they, you never hear anything. From right.
0: I to well, there's a few
1: of them around. But...
0: I talked to hundreds of guys in prison, and I talked to about four or five of them after prison, and all the rest just disappeared. Just And, and out of the four, four or five that I spoke to after prison, only one or two have really stayed with it. To where they still read a little or listen to some podcasts, at least. Yeah. I, I mean, they're caught up with their lives, but they've stayed with it.
1: But as long as they're in prison, they seem real. Unless it was just something to read, take, take their time on.
0: But you've had proof. I think what and... they did,
1: they believed it. They got out and found out how popular it was. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, they do anything to uh, so that they... Uh, won't be considered unpopular. They want to. They want to be popular with the uh, rest of the people. Right. And and uh, they can't stand the uh, public pressure against them.
0: Right. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I've, I've lost all my church church friends. You know. Uh, you know. There's a few that uh, I meet uh, occasionally.
0: And, and do they think that you're me. just nuts?
1: <laughs> well, I think I think practically everybody uh, in town uh, thinks I'm, I'm the town crank.
0: <laughs> but that's funny, but, I, I mean, it's it's sad.
1: Well, you know, I don't care. I, uh, there's other people that care what other people think, and I don't give a damn we what shouldn't. other people think. We can't. Because
0: if we care what people think, we're pulled away from God. We can't love the truth we love the world instead. If we care what people think, we love the world.
1: Well, it's interesting when somebody comes to the door, like, uh, um,
0: uh, you get some Mormons.
1: I I had some Mormons once and, and I wasn't really up on things like I am now, but, but I had had some uh, Jim Shaw stuff uh, that, he uh, uh, he told me some things about the Mormons, and, and then this guy, this Mormon, uh, uh, was up to that meeting in Detroit. Uh, he he told me uh, uh, he was an ex-Mormon. He told me some things about the Mormons, you know, that, that I didn't know before. And, and uh, my wife and I went for vacation, took the boy, and oh, the bo- boy must have been seven years old, something like that, eight. And uh, my car wasn't working right. Had a '68 Chrysler, you know, uh, the uh, the top line of the Chrysler, you know, and and uh, had to stop it, stop in and have them work on that. And so we had some noise. Going to have about five, six hours. So we walked down to the the uh, tabernacle uh, there in uh, Salt Lake City, and um, it was a pretty good walk to get down there, and and we, uh, my wife signed a register, <laughs> a name, address. Well, one day two guys shows up at the door, and they're Mormons. So I, I I knew enough about what they believed to just you know let them trap themselves, you know, and and. Uh, I said, uh, how about this uh, one main uh, Mordecai or whoever he is that uh, th- this angel puts glasses on, you know, and 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 has these two tablets of gold and and you have to go have the glass, you can't see what he's writing. And and uh, each each one of these uh, gold tablets weighs 225 pounds. And, and I says now, it, it says in the Book of Mormon there that they went running with those. That <laughs> this guy went run, running with
0: them. But those angels are pretty strong. Well, Joseph Smith went running with them, right?
1: Yeah, Joseph Smith went run, running right. with them. He picked them up and went running with them. Uh, I'd like to see any man, uh, no, no matter how strong he is, I'd like to see any man just pick up... Uh,
0: 450 pounds.
1: 450 pounds and go running with it.
0: That's a guy you stay away from.
1: They might lift it up, but they, they <laughs> aren't going to go running.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of ludicrous things in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. And a lot of them make it into 2C line. The, the idea that spirits come down from heaven and inhabit <laughs> the bodies of men, that, that started out in Mormonism. That That's a Mormon idea. Yeah. That's made its way into 2C line, which, and, and it's not scriptural it's not the scripture teaches that the, the the flesh is first and then the spirit and, and that the spirit grows with the flesh from the same seed why do we need seed if the spirits come down from heaven yeah i i, I don't that there's Mormon ideas in christian identity there's a lot of um a, a lot of people bring the church ideas that they had in church into christian identity
1: well the Mormons believe in uh, identity in a Sense, but they identify the wrong people.
0: Yeah, they want to give it to prairie niggers.
1: Yeah, and but- and they go to the, they go to the and these times as bad as they are, they build safe houses. The, this one guy that was a Mormon that was up there at that uh, meeting in Detroit, he later told me that they built safe houses for these Mexicans if they could get to get to those safe houses. They had food for them and everything, a place to sleep, and a place to stay until they could get the job.
0: Well, those Mexicans must be Israelites because they're prairie niggers. Okay. <laughs> so you have to take care. I don't know. I, I, I mean, Mormonism, a lot of people think that the Mormons are free of race mixing, but they promote all kinds of race mixing. Oh, yeah. So, so it's just a bad perception. I mean, Utah just happens to be mostly white. Well, I so. guess
1: it's a good uh, good reason to talk about this, but don't don't uh, uh, mistake uh, true identity for what the Mormons believe.
0: Right. There's a lot of rabbit trails, and and we pray that we aren't caught up in any of them. That's all we can do.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Clifton, uh, I think. I don't know if you have any more you want to add. I, I mean, we're trying to wring every last shred out of you here.
1: <laughs> I think it's pretty. The, the, the rag is getting pretty dry. Well, well, thank you for being here,
0: and thank you for doing this, and and we're blessed to um to hear you. Yeah, glad to do it. Praise Yahweh. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Tomorrow night it will be Arthur Lee. Praise Yahweh, and good night.